Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. The topic for today, decision making, and more specifically, how one journalism community called Global Voices places key decisions in the hands of their participants. Global Voices began as a group, a collective of writers, translators, bloggers, and uh, we started with the kind of values of the open internet, which is rough consensus uh, for decision making. So that was Ivan Segal, Executive Director of Global Voices. Global Voices is a non-profit international community of journalists, activists, academics, bloggers, all sorts. What it aims to do is leverage the power of the internet together with the skills of multilinguists to bring marginalised stories into the mainstream from all corners of the world. Quickly coming back to that term, rough consensus, for a moment. It's exactly as it implies. A form of decision-making based on, well, the rough consensus of a group. When you think about the decisions that organisations face, from editorial to financial, that can start to get tricky as organisations like Global Voices have grown increasingly over the last 14 years of their existence. So hopefully you're starting to get a sense of the difficulty in upholding that objective over time. So today, Ivan Segal offers us a step-by-step process of how Global Voices embarked on what they call participatory deliberation last year. Trust me on this, it's not as intimidating as it sounds. It's essentially a way of gauging from their members, publicly and openly, how the organisation should proceed to 2019. But here's a bit more of the backdrop from Ivan first. At a certain point in the last year and the year before, we started talking about how complicated it had become to make uh, collective decisions among a very large group. Traditionally, there's it's really hard to move away from a consensus-based model of decision-making to another model, and you see a lot of uh, movements, especially activist movements that are that start on this kind of consensus model, really struggle when they try to figure out how to develop some kind of structure for their deliberation. So we decided last year that we were going to see if we could figure out how to do it. And uh, the model that we evolved is uh, a combination of making sure that everybody who wants to participate can making sure that everybody has a baseline of knowledge for what we're discussing, and then a combination of structured and open discussion to make sure that everybody understands and has a chance to give input into the issues, and then a, uh, a series of polls that, are, that structure our questions very clearly in order to get a clear sense of what they prefer. So, step one, where is the starting point? Where do we even begin? process had several steps. The first was the creation of a community council. Uh, Over the lifetime of Global Voices, we've had more than 6,000 participants, and we get somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 people a year contributing as writers and as translators, mostly as editors, as technologists. So we wanted to make sure that we could bring in as many people who were active as possible and to try to build something that could function regardless of whether there were 50 people in the room or 500 people in the room. Uh, so we, the first step was to build a council, a consultative council. And uh, anybody who had participated within a quite a long period of time, actually, within five years, and who was interested in the governance of and the future of Global Voices 
could sign up and could apply to participate. And 190 participants decided to get involved. Next, step two, identifying four big structural issues around which Ivan says would impact the way they worked, but nobody felt they had the moral authority to make those kinds of decisions alone. The four of them are, should we narrow or focus the scope of our content? Right now, the way Global Voices works is people who write for us, they find issues that are compelling in their own communities, and they bring them to Global Voices because they want the rest of the world to know about them. And that is uh, one very clear strategy. It also means that our, our stories can sometimes feel like they don't have a focus. So we wanted to know, could we, for some or all of our content, uh, focus that material more strongly on the basis of some strategic thinking or some other measure? And if so, how? That was the first issue. The second issue was, should we change the dynamic of the volunteer to a paid or professional uh, staff? And most contributors to Global Voices are volunteers. Uh, we pay people who are doing tasks that nobody would do as volunteers. So we were interested to see whether people would be interested in taking on more paid work if we started some paid editorial projects, that which always require more explicit outputs and commitments. Would people be interested in doing that? Would that be consistent with the values that we have? Uh, the third issue was organizational structure. Should we decentralize our governance? Should we decentralize the project management or the program design? Should we think about creating chapters? Should we think about creating a membership organization? Well, the last question was fundraising. Questions there are, right now, we have uh, certain classes of funding that we simply have a blanket ban on. We don't take advertising. We don't take funding from governments. Because we have so many restrictions on funding, we are constantly fighting just to stay alive. And uh, and that's getting harder and harder. So we wanted to see whether there's a, a different way of kind of creating a set of values or ethics around fundraising that still protects the independence of our community, but allows us to have more kind of resilience or robustness in terms of our possible resources. Step three, we've got our four questions being scope of content, paid editorial, decentralizing of structure and fundraising options between 190 participants. So what's last? What's the final step? For each of the four issues, we had a two-week deliberation period. And in the first week, everybody reads a an issue paper that offers a set of something like five different models for possible future, plus where we are and what works and what doesn't. And there's a week of deliberation, which is both on private channels and on Zoom chats. And then we, we take a poll. And the poll is structured in an interesting way in that it's a polling service created by a, a civic tech company out of Prague called D21. And D21 has mechanisms that allow not just to show ranked choice or yes, no, but also give uh, poll recipients the option to choose both positive and negative votes, which gives you polarity as well as preference. And that gives you a really rich data set. So for example, you could see a possible answer that is both the most popular and the least popular at the same time. And that tells you, oh my God, we have a big conflict here. Uh, people feel very strongly about it one way or another. And so if we know if we're going to choose it, we have to figure out how to bridge the divide and we have to come up with more dialogue. One of the things I was worried about was that there would be a lack of clear signals. When we wrote the results, we tried really hard not to uh, 
bias them with our own preferences on our core team. And for the most part, we actually saw really strong, consistent results, what people's preferences were. But we did see some significant polarities. And also some cases where we saw more negative votes than positive. So now let's put all of that feedback into action and see what changes were put in place at Global Voices. We made some very clear decisions. And uh, the first one is that we will be creating avenues for more focused editorial writing. So we're going to be creating spaces where there's still a lot of openness, but also there's going to be projects where we're going to be saying in advance, here's the frame, here's the issue we're working on. Uh, We're going to maybe potentially fundraise around some of those verticals and issues and really narrow our focus on some set of topics. We're not going to be doing it for everything, and there was an option that we would simply restrict our writing to rights issues and digital access issues, which are sort of the, some of the most the strongest coverage that we have. But interestingly, people were very opposed to that kind of that much narrowing. On the other hand, they were very interested in us having a system for designating different topics over time. The second is that we saw a lot of interest for people having more ways to participate. So we're working on diversifying our modes of participation beyond writing stories and translating them, whether that's tips and sharing tips, sharing leads, collaborating on research. People are very interested in working on participatory research together. I was somewhat surprised to see how excited people are about the research opportunities for working on paid research projects. But that goes interestingly with the idea that we'd be creating original knowledge, original stories, and using that to change things. The third is the organizational structure. We're building a membership model uh, in which the community becomes, we have within the community a standing council of members that will function to inform and advise a whole range of issues around the organization, not only around what we're covering and what we're working on in terms of our activities. And the last issue is funding. We've come up with a model that we're calling the ethical organization. And with this model, we're prioritizing independence from external agendas. Uh, and we we're rejecting funding that seeks to influence our decisions. And that's regardless of the source of funding. So that would mean that we could theoretically accept funding from, for example, a governmental donor like, like the British Council or an arts agency. At the same time, we might find that There are some foundations that we don't want to work with because they are seeking to instrumentalize us for some other goal. Uh, That also allows us to consider other kinds of fundraising besides those two obvious ones, but uh, it allows us to have a lot more nuance in terms of which funding sources we might, might consider. So now we've got a focused editorial strategy, increased participation, we've got a community membership model, and an ethical funding protocol. What then are Ivan's main takeaways from the process and how does this sit alongside the mission statement of Global Voices? We've long espoused the ideal that online spaces are spaces for conversation and spaces for people to learn from each other across cultures and across languages. And we've always tried to live that ideal as well. And we've seen in the past couple of years how the ideology of scale on the internet has had some really distorting effects on the way we talk to each other, uh, especially as more and more of our social conversations happen in social media networks. And so this process of 
figuring out how to talk to each other across such a large group and still have very meaningful conversations uh, shows us, firstly, that we can still do this ourselves. And secondly, it's given us a sort of a renewed hope and a renewed sense of the editorial value of making stories on the basis of conversations across cultures and across languages. I think also the idea that we are, we've situated some of the decision-making processes, some of the decision-making for Global Voices in the community in this very open and structured way. I hope it gives the community confidence to know that our values are starting and ending with the needs of the people who are contributing to the work. And in a sense, they are the owners of our project, our contributors. And I also get to contribute sometimes. We are not in the service of somebody else. That's a really key value for what we do. I hope that people feel that that's what we've accomplished with this uh, deliberative council. Finally then, if anything, what can mainstream news organizations learn from Global Voices? What can they take away from this process? Our focus has always been on the idea that we make our own media. We have the capacity to write and tell our own stories and that we are all potentially playing various aspects of the reporting and journalistic role in our lives. And our community members have been doing that for well, coming up on 14 years now. So it's, it's uh, an idea that journalism is a part of civic life, not something that's separated into only into a professional niche, which is not to say that we don't need professional journalism. I think we do need professional journalism, but that doesn't mean that others can't play that role as well. And uh, the idea that we can create members that are contributing to the storytelling, contributing to the collective civic knowledge of all of our societies is something I would think would be great if other, other publications also did that. Interesting insights from Ivan and something to keep an eye on for sure, something perhaps to consider as we discuss financing journalism, including innovative membership models, at our upcoming News Rewired conference on March the 6th at Reuters in London. Save the date, head over to newsrewired.com to grab yourself a ticket and hopefully we'll see you there. But for now, that wraps up this week's podcast on journalism.co.uk. Let me give a big thank you to Ivan Segal for speaking with me today. And of course, you at home or on the commute for tuning in. Last but not least, if you would like to feature on our podcast, don't forget, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Journalism News. But for now, that's all from me, your host, Jacob Granger. Until next time. <laughs>